Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. Episode 9. Everything is known. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. We're here to look at Episode 9, Season 1 of Dark. I'm Anthony James. That's Conrad. Hello. That's him. Right, Conrad, how's your week been this week? Uh, oh, yes, sorry, but... I should say, how's your two, how's your two days been? This <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, are we going to peer behind the curtain to reveal we're recording this three days after the last one? Yeah. Um, my three days has been excellent. It's a bank holiday weekend here in the UK, uh, which means I get to have the day off tomorrow and I will probably spend it watching more dark, I guess. Yeah, you've got the next one to watch. So yeah, exactly. that'll, that'll be good. Um, awesome. So just, just to remind you all, uh, we are going to be not having a comments uh video coming out this saturday that's due to me expecting another child yay but we'll, we'll not worry about that this week if you i'm gonna put on this video uh any questions for conrad in terms of like for the next season so when we do our season summary any questions you put there we can put them to conrad uh about the upcoming season so they won't be wasted and your your comments that that's maybe a bit better this time actually because you have longer to put the longer there to put the comments uh so just bear that in mind if you're thinking about what could be a comment uh, a question i can ask him for, for episode 10 we're probably not going to have that have that which i suppose uh it's a bit it's a bit annoying because it is the last episode but at the end of the day we're gearing up to it now and uh and there's just no other other way to do it uh if you want to subscribe to the youtube channel that would be fantastic keep up to date with the podcast if you want to subscribe on audio audio apps that would be even better uh we are now ticking up to close to 200 subscribers on the audio apps so that's absolutely fantastic Uh, a lot more than we thought we'd have by this point so thank you very much um yeah did you know that conrad did you know that number uh i did after you informed me that the spotify numbers weren't included in our main subscriber numbers the other day which is awesome i can't believe we've we've got that many to be honest so thank you so much everyone who is subscribed thank you very much we're now we're now being bombarded with all these random emails uh asking us to become and be a part of their um their network or something at the same time oh really yeah just all these spam emails whenever amazing uh, we're being given the opportunity to sell out already i can't wait yeah yeah, exactly so you know we'll we'll get them all around a table we'll listen to the best offer but uh yeah exactly i i I just want everyone to know i have zero integrity when it comes to matters like this so (laughs) yeah that's 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 fine uh i'll i'll (laughs) I'll be the integral backbone oh let's break it down this episode opens with a montage (laughs) sure yeah it's a montage montage editing at least yeah so i um i say i say montage like that because i feel like every single episode i'm saying it opens with a montage (laughs) you know it ends with a montage there's a lot of montage but yeah it starts with a really cool actually one of the most visually pleasing for me uh openings to an episode and it's all the faces of the characters we know going through each one in the different ages and it's almost like them just flexing saying yeah we got a really good casting director yeah that, that is literally what i wrote down is like this this feels like them showing off how good their casting is um which i mean you know you if can't you've got lie. it, you, it i guess yeah, you, you can't know. deny it. it is amazing casting yeah and there's there are one or two uh oh well one that we haven't actually met at this point. Oh, you noticed uh, that, did you? I did notice the the one uh, who pops up in there. I was like, oh, who's that? Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's really just them flexing, <laughs> being like, yeah. look how great our cast is, um, and it's underpinned by obviously more Tanhouse um, kind of broad ethical questions about humanity and what makes us how we are and everything. 
Yeah, exactly. Like at a certain, at a certain point, um, if you weren't going through it t- a little bit by little bit, like we are, if you were just watching this and binging it at a certain point, that townhouse stuff is probably going to start sounding like white noise. <laughs> yeah, like, we get it. All right. Time travel. What is man? <laughs> I don't care. Get to the next know of it. I do care. but <laughs> Yeah. It, like it's re- it's really good at like setting the tone and it's, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Um, what do you think about the end of the montage where it gave the big drone uh, of, of noise and it was Noah's face? Yeah, yeah, it was um, it, Noah's little stinger, um, which shows up again later in this episode. It's yeah. great. It's it's just um, yeah, it, I love a I love a good audio cue uh, for someone or something, because um, it just you know it, it's basically the production doubling down on on the character um, and and essentially letting you know they're important, which is always awesome. Yes, exactly. And as of yet, we've had no real character development for Noah I suppose we got a little bit we actually do get a little bit in this one but there's no character development in terms of fleshing him out on whether there's a gray area to him it's all just this is the bad guy yeah I mean it's it's uh, and you know if Dark has taught us anything it's not to necessarily trust your first impressions of the characters but um yeah as you say so far it's been very emphatic about saying no he's he's a bad guy yeah 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 exactly um or maybe they just didn't communicate that to the music department. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be really funny if they if they like accidentally just he's supposed to be the hero and they they completely balls it up with the <laughs> with the music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so the episode is called "Everything Is Now." Yeah. Um, and in German, that would be because I am an expert at this. That would be. Oh, jeez, I, I don't know. I, I'm already looking at it and being worried because I know. I I I'm almost want to pronounce it in French. I was going to say, can I? I I want to speculate something here. I think the yeah. first the pronunciation of the first word is going to trip you up because you're going to try it in French. That's what I thought I was going to do. Well, give it a go. So I'm going to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've not, helped you out a little bit. Here, I'm but... going to not. Yeah, I was already going to not do that because I, I oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, I was going to get just make myself look like an idiot. Um. Alles, basically the same I'm thing. gonna say Alles for the first word. Alles uh ist jetzt. Uh it would be uh jetzt. Is that, so Alles uh, yes. Alles ist jetzt. Of course, it, Yeah. Um but that, yeah, I think I think you're pretty much right on the money there. Yeah, Alles ist jetzt. Um everything yeah. is now. Alles jetzt if you if you if you, if you <laughs> that's my, I'm sorry, I apologize to any French speaking listeners. I can't speak French at all and that is an awful accent I've just attempted there. But that 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 was what I was gonna say. I was gonna say Alle when, when I first looked at it. Yeah. Ails. Ails is jetzt. Um yeah. yeah, so anyway, we'll just move on. I that one that <laughs> to be honest with you, that one was one of the hardest ones for me. Uh, oh really? Okay. I, I thought it was just going to be the first word that would that would trip you up. I didn't. I honestly didn't expect uh, yet to to get you. But, uh, so but see, here we are. See, I don't know why the, the the W got me a few few weeks ago, yeah. and the J got me today. I just uh, it's like the simple things that are getting me. You know, the things that I should just know. You know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we'll move on. So uh, we we after the opening credits, we are given uh, a scene uh, where sort of burnt Doppler is at the power plant and he's seeing, he's looking at the, the construction that has been halted because of uh, the dead bodies found. And also the Helga's gone missing now. He's talking yeah. to Greta and Greta sort of wants, wants him to be found. She has no idea where he would be. She has a little picture of him there on the, on the thing as well. Um, yeah. Just a bit of, bit of uh, showing their house. Uh, they've, they've, although it's a very cold house, 
uh, I suppose it's, it's sort of, they're showing Helga in a photograph on his own. Later on, they show him in the, with the family, but he, it's, he's, he's on, in the photograph on his own. He's missing. Also, yeah. Ulrich, just to add in before I give you a runner, Ulrich is also sitting outside the hatch waiting as well. Uh, so I think, um, you know, going back to us talking about um, not judging characters by first impressions, uh, Greta kind of joined the ranks of um, Regina and Alexander, uh, both of whom we'll come back to later in this episode, mm-hmm. as a character who... Um, was kind of fleshed out by this like she does genuinely seem a bit remorseful and like she's blaming herself for Helga's disappearance um which I didn't expect I honestly thought she was going to just be like evil stepmother and wouldn't care at all but um but yeah so it's it's an interesting opening um to this and then yeah Ulrich has just been sat there all night by the looks of things yeah he's sitting there all night just uh making sure he's dead uh a bit bit of a fruitless task we'll find out later but um (laughs) Uh, also, uh, the fact that you were saying that you thought that Greta would be sort of like an evil stepmother, it's interesting because uh, we sort of get an illusion in this episode. We'll talk about more in depth later and why, what you think of that. But maybe Bernd is the step parent after all. In, yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I've been hoisted by my own petard with that, uh, <laughs> with, yeah. with that thought. <laughs> exactly. Okay, next we get uh, Egon and uh, the chief of police, Karnwald, Daniel Karnwald, having a chat. Um, he tells him that Bernd Doppler's in there. And they're having a chat in the, in the corridor before he goes into Bernd Doppler. And Egon sort of lets him know about Ulrich coming in yesterday and saying he was asking about Helga. Yeah. Um, and obviously that, they, they see the importance of that now. And then Bernd um, is in the room. And everything we've learned about Bernd before, even as his older self, even maybe in the last episode too, is that he's, his work, like he's very much like a workaholic. He wants a nuclear power plant to succeed. Um, and it's not that he's not a, he wasn't a cold man. He was definitely more warm than Greta was, but the power plant was one of the most important things to him. But just, but as soon as Helga goes missing, I didn't expect this the first time I watched it of this character. Hmm. He says to Egon, do whatever it takes. I don't care if the nuclear power plant doesn't even work or whatever. I want my son back. And Helga was the most important thing to him in that moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, um, yeah, so there's a couple of really interesting things in this scene, I think. Um, first, for me, um, was um, Egon's kind of suspicion of Ulrich as a character begins here. And it, it's, there's a really, really interesting mirror between this and uh, Egon's interaction with young Ulrich uh, in the 80s later in the episode, which we'll probably come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, in the scene between Burnt and... Um, and Egon, it's got really like exaggerated blocking in this scene because Bernd is kind of like sitting facing away from the desk yeah. uh, and he's sort of like cloaked in darkness. It's very film noir, very, very kind of like, uh, yeah, really exaggerated in a way that I really liked, um, which don't don't often see in this show, but for whatever reason they did it here and it worked. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of Bernd's character as you say, he, he was fairly warm in the last episode, but seemed very work focused. You know, the moment he, the moment he came in and found out something was up with the nuclear plant he went off again and here he's just like no whatever it costs um which maybe has something to do with uh with how the dopplers will come to eventually lose uh lose their big house mm, interesting yes uh you were asked in the last questions episode whether you recognize that house have you changed your answer you said no have you changed your answer yet I, I have changed my answer now. I did. I, I, I'm uh, cards on the table. I had a, I had a thought about what it might be, and I had to go back and watch the first episode to confirm it. But um, but I did. Uh, I have I have in fact confirmed it. So uh, I don't know when you want to. We can, we, can do, do. Well, we can talk about more of it later. But you can just confirm it, like with your own word, what you think it is. Um, <laughs> what is in like 
who who owns it now or yeah, what yeah, now. yeah 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 uh i'm gonna say it might be a hotel now <laughs> yeah well there you go so um <laughs> that is something that it's not obviously it's, you know that's a very character character developy like sort of character side of the show not the whole time travel thing aspect to it and there's a lot of people who watched the show who didn't realize that and obviously you've been pointed there by a commenter you know what i mean yeah so that was always that was going to happen but um that's something that some people who watch all three series and love it and know everything about everything about it they still miss that point because it actually is very subtle um yeah i mean they don't i'd like i wonder maybe maybe they're not gonna make a big deal out of it it's just gonna be in 86 they're still living there obviously in the 50s they're living there and then in 2019 they're not and the relatives of the people that the dopplers hand the nuclear power plant over to um you know now own both properties and they won't make a bigger deal of it than that but um yeah it's just an interesting kind of development both for the dopplers and for the the tiedemans as as families yes exactly yeah and um it, looking at yeah looking at uh at, at the way that the the properties are passing through the, the families is it, it, it could some of them might be interesting some of them might just be just be the way it is and we won't get learn anything more about it but um yeah all right so next we get uh tronta and claudia work, walking through the forest and while Halga's gone missing, uh, Claudia's more more worried about the dog. So yeah. she's uh, looking for Gretchen. She says to uh, Tronta that he's very handsome and that he's like James Dean. Yeah. And that all the girls in, uh, in Vinden are going to be are going to be like lapping him up. Uh, she then also mentions how uh, his mother is a very glamorous woman. Uh, what did you make of this little short scene? Um, I well, I have some thoughts about uh, Tronta, which will come back to once uh or probably in the next scene actually um oh, okay. but um yeah i wonder if the james dean comparison is just about his looks or about what happened to james dean uh in terms of dying young um but uh yeah the bank robbers on the run thing uh felt like a nice little bit of foreshadowing for uh, a character that's going to turn up later in the episode too uh oh yes of course yep uh-huh um and this actually looks like the exact same part of the forest as that scene from yeah. later too so yeah, yeah. Um, sort of mirroring the 33-year cycle thing again. Okay, so then we get uh, the next scene you're talking about, and that's uh, Agnes and um, Doris. And Agnes is sort of gifting Doris a dress, and Doris is very sort of doesn't really want to take it because she doesn't know what Egon would think. Uh, Agnes is sort of zipping her up into it, and they have a big chat. And I think uh, Agnes even mentions here a bit more about her um, her husband. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, it drops a couple of hints that might be important about, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe her, her dead husband being a pastor who wasn't actually a particularly holy man. I don't know who that could possibly be referring to. Um, but say Agnes is, I, I, this is an interesting scene for me because Agnes, I can't really figure out Agnes as a character because she, mm -hmm. you know, she's, she's turned up into this environment um, of, you know, the, the, the Tiedemann's house. And she's immediately very, very explicitly trying to seduce doris um you know yeah. like being, being very kind of touchy-feely with her so which is you know it's pretty immoral behavior like it's not mm -hmm. like it's a relationship that has developed over time and neither of them can hide their feelings like it's literally bam move into the house right first things first let's seduce the wife um yeah <laughs> so it's so to me that that almost seems like it's it's something that she's gone there with the intention of doing um which when you find out that her quote unquote dead husband was Noah, um, it definitely, I think gives that some more credibility. Now I, I, I do believe that she, she thinks Noah was an, an evil man um, and, and 
you know, doesn't like him at all, doesn't have any fondness for him. And I don't think she knows that he's still alive. There's this sort of interesting duality to her character where she's doing these things that are pretty, pretty evil, to be honest, just moving in and immediately disrupting a relationship um, where the, the, make me wonder whether in some ways you know she has learned some things from her from her relationship with noah interesting um yeah i would agree i I like i like the way that you've sort of you the way your brain's worked and you've arrived at maybe she has ulterior motives um because she's immediately seducing doris but um, it's it's just like it seems very purposeful but obviously the big thing here which I, i meant to mention uh before was that that if if that is to be believed, uh, then that means Noah is Tronta's dad, uh, which, uh, well, that asks, that that poses a bunch of questions for yeah. uh, what we know about Tronta in 2019. Interesting. Now I will say, um, so is that going in the theory matrix then? That that's Noah, in that, that, oh, you better believe that's in the theory matrix. What, that, <laughs> that Noah is Agnes's husband. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, like every one, every other one of your theories, I'm sure you'll be just talking about that as if it's 100% true until either yep. proven wrong or right. Um, so, because when you started speaking there and you were speaking about Noah in my head, in my head, I was like, it sounds like uh, Conrad's pretty convinced uh, on this one because Listen, like, if if another pastor shows up in this show, I will. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'll eat a hat because there's no way of doing that, and I'm also not <laughs> going to do it. But <laughs> but. But there is there is like a ninety nine point nine percent chance, or there is a, like a point zero zero one percent chance that another pastor shows up in this show. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, just a question to keep your mind bubbling over, though. Um, if she's there with an ulterior motive, why would you trust what she's saying? Well, yeah, that is that is the other thing is. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is is she trustworthy at all or you know is she lying about um about noah being dead um so yeah it, it's a good point and it, it was one that i had considered whether whether we can believe her at all um and i i don't know for certain that we can but um i i do for, for whatever reason i do believe that her husband was maybe still is noah um I, I believe that, that the, the kernel of truth there, mm-hmm. um, or there is a kernel of truth to that. But as for the rest of it, as you say, who who can really say whether she's telling the truth or not? Yeah, exactly. Okay, speaking of Noah, in the next scene, we see that he actually is traveling through time again. Yep. He's got his fingers in all the time zones, this boy. Yeah. So he's in 1953, and he's talking to Greta, sort of consoling her. And she's talking about some very interesting information. I'm going to let you go first on this, because I want to see what you gathered from the what you gathered from the the conversation before i sort of lay it out i didn't want to just say things that you didn't notice if you didn't notice them you know well so the first thing that really struck me in this when when we see this scene with noah and greta was um that I, i was surprised to see him in the 50s obviously we know he has been in the 50s because uh we've seen him in the bunker in the 50s but i was surprised to see him kind of if you like operating a day-to-day life as a priest in the 50s because we know mm-hmm. in the 80s there is a priest who is described as a new priest uh which is heavily implied to be noah so how is it possible mm-hmm. for him to be operating as a priest in vinden in the 50s and then also be a new priest in 1986 um which i don't really have any kind of theories about this but it just it kind of i'm still trying to get my head around how like what timeline noah is kind of like anchored in if you like like which one is his actual timeline where Mm -hmm. he where he sort of first discovers time travel or or perhaps it's none of them um 
but so the actual meat of what they're saying here is is really fascinating i think so obviously we get a little bit of greta talking about helga's uh origins so the child of adultery or possibly rape given the not created out of love line mm-hmm. um which uh combined with how she feels about him at the beginning of the episode really kind of recontextualizes why she is so hard on him and i think it's it's very dark but i think it's quite a realistic um depiction of a child uh, born of that kind of sexual assault yes of then um yeah the big thing here is um noah's speech about there being like no human um no pure human being existing and falling into god's uh, like want to fall no further than into god's hands is so manipulative and dark Mm -hmm. based on what we find out about him i guess we kind of already know it but what we have confirmed about him later in the episode and his opinion of god based on what he says to helgi um and it's it was really funny isn't the right word but it was it was really it was almost maddening to me that greta kind of has her finger on the answer here where she says uh but what if they're the hands of the devil and uh and it's like oh you are so close to the truth there you don't even know um and then uh and then you know noah just responds with the um uh, a couple of phrases which have a nice kind of dual meaning in uh, we don't meet people by accident and touching the lives of others lines which uh you know is really mm-hmm. uh, really like ties back into those theories about determinism um and yeah no no is just a great villain in this scene like it's it's sort of it, it what he's doing here is so manipulative and dark and i love it yeah um now it does bring up a few questions this uh this this uh, conversation. So the idea that uh, Burnt Doppler is not actually the father of yeah. Helga Doppler. Obviously, that means that the whole Doppler line from there aren't really Dopplers, um, which is very interesting. Do you reckon that plays a part in some way to Helga not sort of being his father's heir to the uh, to the to the power plant throne? Or how, how do you is that is that Helga's incompetence? What what do you think in terms of the complexities of that? So I think um, we'll probably come back to this when the sort of Helga, the the dual Helga uh, um, theory comes back a little bit later in this this episode. But I think mm. my, my my gut feeling is that Helga is going to find out about his parentage probably from Noah and uh, as a tool for sort of manipulating him and coercing him into helping uh, Noah. And that will explain why he doesn't kind of rise to, to, to take Burnt's position as the, as the head of the head of the power plant. It might also be a bit of good old fashioned competence as well. Cause uh, Helga, yeah. I don't know if Helga's up to the task to be honest, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, I, I, I think that will play a part. Okay. So then we, we're still in 1953 at this point and uh, Ulrich is being chased by Egon. Egon finds him. <laughs> yeah. He pulls, he pulls the old tri- the trick that Ulrich pulled last episode when Ulrich was chasing Helga and he decided to change course in the forest. Yeah. Egon just did the exact same thing and, and then actually caught Ulrich. So he was... Yeah, it's, it's interesting that Egon figured out that Ulrich was headed for the caves. Uh, almost, uh, I, I don't know if it's kind of as, as explicit as this, but there's almost like this kind of innate draw to the caves. Like Egon yeah. knows there's something bad about those caves and he suspects because Ulrich, let's be fair to him, looks like he's been up to no good at this point. Yeah, like he's yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Cu- covered in blood, but just walking down the street. Um, yeah, so Egon, um, you know, figures it up, uh, figures it out. And, um, and you know, this scene, Egon is added to the list of characters, which will be expanded further later in this episode, who know about time travel, which is very interesting. Yeah, well, yes, who have been told about time travel by a time traveler, not necessarily yeah. that they believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the kernel I, I think, has been planted. 
yeah exactly there's a little there's a little nugget of uh of time travel thought in egon's head in the 50s which is fascinating yes exactly that's really nice and how will that f- come to fruition as as we go through um and we know he's really good with question marks so he'll probably be thinking about that one oh for yeah a while. Uh, you, you, I, I won't even believe the things that he writes question marks on after this <laughs> yeah or every clock in his house <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh auric then talks about how he's changed the course of time but Egon's talking to him about you killed those two boys and Auric thinks, hang on, why are those two boys still dead? Because yeah. surely I, it doesn't happen because I killed Helga. And then it cuts to Helga who very dramatically yep. wakes up. I don't know if he would wake up that dramatically if the camera wasn't there, but he definitely... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he knew, he knew he was at, had a close-up. It was his opportunity <laughs> to shine. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that... Uh, this bloody scene in the bunker i have so many questions coming out of this and none of them are really answered they're just kind of hanging in the air waiting for some kind of explanation so yeah. i mean helga he is dead he definitely was dead last episode i feel like there's no way he wasn't dead at the very least because even if he wasn't <laughs> even if he wasn't dead he hasn't breathed for like 12 hours <laughs> so you know unless he can hold his breath for the longest time imaginable like he's you know he's definitely out um and this is very crucially him waking up in the 50s. It's not him. It's not, I, I went back and checked. It, it's not mm-hmm. the same scene as him waking up in 1986. Yeah. Which means there are, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I've basically taken this as confirmation of my kind of two Helgas theory. Like that one of them woke up in 1953. Well, or woke up. One of them somehow reincarnated um, in 1953. And another one woke up maybe outside of time or in 1986 anyway. And... I just, I just don't know. I don't know. What, I do not know what is going on with this. Like, I have no idea how Helga's come back to life, or what, it, what has brought him back. I, it's, yeah. I just don't. I just don't know. I have no idea with this, and I can't wait to find out more about it. Excellent, fantastic. Uh, I'm sure the listeners are enjoying this because uh, uh, this is one of the big sort of. The, the idea of sort of how people get between different times when you've been shown them in different times yeah. is uh, one of the main sort of really, I, I, I myself, I'm loving hearing you theorizing about this, th- these parts because, um, you know, as you, as you say, said before, you throw it a lot at the wall. Uh, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. Yeah. To be honest with you, I enjoy the parts where it does stick more than I do the parts that don't. Having said that, it is funny when the parts that don't. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to you answer, getting the answer to that question. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So it also shows at the end of that, that scene, the machine, uh, that sort of, sort of time machine that the HG townhouse made yeah, sort yeah. Of clicking up and, and I, I, my own interpretation of this, I don't know about you, but every time it clicks up one, it sort of goes to the next time zone. So it, I don't know if you noticed that this episode, uh, sort of starts with 53, then yeah. we get the middle section is 86 and then the final section is 2019. So it goes through past, present and future in this episode. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really, really great. I, I love the, the, the framing device actually for this episode. So basically what they do in every single section, if you like, is they have a short scene establishing kind of a major story arc for that timeline. So yeah. for, the, uh, for the 50s, it's um, obviously Helga's gone missing. Uh-huh. How, like let's find him um for the 80s it's the alexander um arriving. turning up mm-hmm. yeah arriving and then for the 2000s it's the um the well we'll get into 2000s a, a bit later but i love the yeah the cut from that to then the uh the sigmunda store and the time machine which 
I, I can't tell whether the big moving parts of it are CGI or whether they're actually practical, but they look so mm. good. Um, it's such a, such a great, um, such great prop, as we've said before. Um, and I love it as like the kind of ticking clock guiding this episode forward. So the yeah, first yeah, yeah. bit, the first kind of column comes up, the second bit, the second column comes up, the third bit, the third column comes up and then it starts glowing. And it's sort of like, you feel like there's a convergence coming and it's, it's a, a really, really great framing device for kind of propelling the episode forward. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. Um, it wasn't until about halfway through us being in the 2019 section at the end of the episode where I realized I was like, hang on a minute. Yeah. They're just doing that. 2009. Uh, sorry. They're doing it in order past, present, future, yeah. because obviously we're used to jumping around at this point between at least two different ones. So the fact that they were just like sort of giving us blocks of each was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, until obviously at the very end, we go back to 53. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the scene, then we'll talk about um, Alexander arriving or not Alexander as it would be. Bor- no, Boris Nevald. Boris Which, Nevald. Uh, yeah, we'll get in, get we'll come back to that name a little bit later, I think. Um, but yeah, th- talking about bank robbers on the run, that sounds an awful lot like a police pursuit after Alexander to me. It does very, very much so. He arrives in in eighty six. Um, I think earlier in the season he did say that he arrived a couple of weeks after Mads went missing. So now we're he seeing did. we're seeing that. I uh, theorised that it was Yasin going back in time, and I stand by that theory. Yeah, so this uh, this is <laughs> Boris slash Yasin slash Alexander. <laughs> Um, also, what did you think about Alec? His, his Alexander Kohler is the name he's taken uh, from the person who he had the passport of. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, well, I didn't really think too much about the name that he's taking, to be honest. Um, I'm just going back what, to that. No, what I, what I mean is that in 2019, his name is Alexander Tiedemann. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So I guess he, I guess he takes, uh, he takes Regina's name in marriage. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I hadn't, hadn't put two and two together on that one. Yeah, so that's just something maybe to, to note going forward, whether it's I mean, important he, or not. He's, he's not got much attachment to the name, let's be honest. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next scene, we get Hannah being a real... She's sort of picking at Katarina. Yeah. Um, she wants to know what's going to happen with Ulrich. Is he out yet? She also seems to be very interested in whether Katarina's going to stay with Ulrich as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Catherine is saying, well, that's love, you know, it's stronger than hate. So she wants to, but then Hannah, actually, we find out that it was Hannah who pointed, we get confirmation of, I think it was alluded to earlier on by Regina in the episode five or six. Yeah. But Hannah actually is the one who let them know Katarina and Ulrich that it was actually Regina or well, she, well, she obviously she lies. She said it was yeah. Regina who told the police. Yeah, so that I mean, the Hannah shifting the blame onto Regina, who's kind of like lower in the social backing order at high school than her, feels very real as the kind yeah, of thing that like a mean spirited teenager would do. Um, and, and we'll return to this idea later of Hannah really being able to manipulate Katerina when she wants to. Um, obviously, she's doing it here, um, but it's this idea is revisited later in the episode, and it's a fantastic way of saying nothing has really changed uh, between them. Um, mm. And also, a big fan of. Katarina using the word clobber here. Uh, I don't think enough bullies <laughs> threaten to clobber people anymore, which uh, I was a really big fan of. It's clobbering time. Yeah, exactly. Like, who, who let the Fantastic Four in? Um, <laughs> it's, it really made me laugh. Uh, and stay tuned for uh, Katarina using more really, really weird insults in a couple of scenes' time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will, I'm looking forward to that scene. Uh, okay, so uh, next we get uh, Ulrich being released from jail. 
and we get a bit of dialogue between him and Egon where Egon's sort of saying, I know your face. Uh, I'll, yeah. let you, I'll let you talk about that in a minute. Um, then uh, Auric has one of the greatest lines in the whole show for me. Uh, he, he says, I know your face. I feel it in my bones or whatever. And then he says, maybe it's cancer. <laughs> or creps. Creps. Yeah, creps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Yana is livid. She smacks Egon and she says, I'm going to demand that you're taken off Mad's case. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think about this little Egon Ulrich scene? Yeah, I mean the the knows that I'd like I know that stare line is is fascinating, uh, given what we know obviously about Egon running into grown up Ulrich in the fifties. Yeah. Just and there's this kind of like this intangible link between them that I think underpins all of this animosity and Egon can't really explain it, but it's there and not without reason. And mm-hmm. it, I think it's it's really important for Egon as a character this because it shows that he is actually an excellent judge of character um, and has some good qualities for a police officer despite what others might actually say about him and I think it's kind of important for him to get that just because really up until this point he's pretty much exclusively been the subject of ridicule I don't think anyone has really I don't think he's really done anything or or been spoken to um, in such a way that would make us respect him yeah so it's nice for him to get, you know, a little for him to get a moment where he can kind of showcase his his competency, um, and then yeah, Yana it comes up and slaps him. Also, Yana just like puts a cigarette out on the floor in the police station, which feels incredible. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that. Like, like just whatever. Someone will clean that up, I guess. Um, <laughs> I didn't yeah. notice that. And then she, and he, yeah, just runs up. At, there's a running theme of people like basically committing GBH on uh, on police officers, or at very least battery on police officers in this episode between Yana and then Katerina later on with, with Charlotte. Um, but I feel like if I was Egon, I would have just arrested Yana right then and there. But, you know, maybe that, that would have escalated the situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would but, say as well, uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a little subtle bit of costume work. Well, I might be wrong, but I, what I noticed was, um, and it's something that they, they didn't have to do. I, like, I just love shows that put the little extra details in. When Ulrich is released from prison and he's come down to, to his mum, he's got, he's got his uh, chain link necklace on. But when he's in the prison cell, he hasn't had it on. So obviously they took that off him. Yeah. And when he's coming out, he gets it back on again. And I just really, really like small details in costume like that it just yeah yeah that attention to detail is a sign that everyone's switched on and and working hard yeah exactly like it would have been very easy just to say ah just having this in the same clothes but they change his costume slightly it's just great okay um so the next scene i'm sure you're gonna be glad <laughs> oh, my, to oh my oh i've got i've got things to say about this scene right so if you didn't listen to the <laughs> question and answers uh episode for episode seven so episode 7.5 of the After Dark podcast. If you didn't, if you didn't listen to that, Con, Conrad, in the last minute of that podcast, <laughs> threw a Hail Mary prediction <laughs> that Claudia, in her middle age, would, go, would start her, her journey through time travel and into time travel by discovering her dog in the caves. Oh. So, d- yeah, you got that one. You got that one, Conrad. That, like, the... Yeah, so we had one of our intrepid question askers gave me some literary question about what I remembered of the like the black dog in Faust and how that ties into the poodle. And I pulled a theory out of nowhere (laughs) that that Gretchen was going to turn back up in the 80s and prompt Claudia to 
to go on a time traveling adventure and lo and behold i i literally i stood up and shouted as soon as like i couldn't contain myself when gretchen turned up in the 80s yeah. so i had to text you immediately yeah i couldn't believe that i'd called it so uh yeah um, i think that to be honest with you i think that's the most impressive one so far yeah i could not believe i'd called it was, that it was completely out of nowhere yeah like, it was it was, a, it was a moment of magic yeah but uh, yeah, so we're uh, we're not in we're not in Kansas anymore. For those who uh, recognise the, the the Wizard of Oz reference for Claudia, yeah, that's uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was so, it was such a good it was such a good prediction that we literally have nothing to talk about. Yeah, I just you know I just <laughs> go back and listen to the last episode because everything we could analyze from it he predicted so <laughs> yeah i don't I, I don't know where that came from it was just it, it was like when when a sports star gets in the zone it just i can't explain it it's just a moment of magic yeah exactly <laughs> okay let's move on then in the forest then we get a scene uh with katarina and ulrich and they've sort of been reunited after this now there's yeah. a lot of discussion points that come out of this uh, scene that i would like to talk to you about the first yeah. is katarina is absolutely terrifying yeah oh my uh, god i would not mess with katarina she's she's absolutely terrifying and the actress is is so you know is is, is just so good at being terrifying i don't know what yeah. she's like in real life i've never watched i've never watched an interview or anything but she just seems terrifying what about the knee she, yeah that I, it was such an i didn't see it coming at all i thought she was gonna you know like shove her a bit more or something and then just just straight up knee into the stomach it was un, unreal yeah, it was, it was a lot of force behind it. Um, but uh, so basically, Katarina and Ulrich are sort of talking about Tiedemann, Egon Tiedemann, saying, what, what does he have? He has something in for you. Katarina then uh, sees Regina and sort of goes and hunts her down, says to Regina, uh, look what my mother did to me just because of the lies you told to your, your, your grandfather, basically. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then Regina obviously didn't do that, so she denies it. Katarina knees her. Um, and then, and then uh, Alexander comes to the rescue. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts about this? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the the, the first time you see Auric and Katarina back together in this scene, um, they definitely seem closer than they would be if something violent had transpired between them, because they're kind of like sharing cigarettes and and mm -hmm. hugging. Um, and there's an interesting line where uh, she asks him why Egon has it out for him. And uh, Ulrich says, because he thinks I'm the Antichrist, which feels like very poignant messaging, given it's a term we've heard associated with Noah yeah. before. Uh -huh. uh, and I, I feel like it's drawing a very deliberate comparison between the two and saying, well, is Ulrich all that different from Noah? Like, given what we know he's willing to do to, you know, try and save his own son and, and brother. Exactly, yeah, um, what he turns into, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so her saying her mum did it to her i think at this point i've not really got any reason to doubt what she's saying um obviously she it, you know if it's not the truth like if it's not the truth she's not going to say the truth here to regina like she's going to maintain the lie but to me it didn't read like her lying um before before regina showed up that moment between ulrich and katarina where they were alone if there was something that transpired like a rape or maybe even just a, a lack of consent whatever yeah uh, what, what I mean by that, I don't mean, sorry, I don't mean whatever. That's ridiculous of me to say. <laughs> what, what I mean is, you know, how consent can be withdrawn halfway through. So that's what I mean. I don't mean it was an all out rape from the start. It could have, yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah, sure. it could have eventually turned that way. Um, if that was the case, I don't, yeah, as you say, like that's a, an intimate moment between them, them. They're reconnected. 
um, I, I don't think that they would necessarily be acting the way they would be together. Now, obviously, if they were with a friend, they might be putting on the act. But yeah, because they're, yeah. only, they're only alone, it makes it much more convincing that nothing actually did happen. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, that's not to say that couples who have abusive moments between them can never also have moments of intimacy. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 still, it's still a grey area. Um, but, I mean, I, I think... Katerina has said enough about it at this point that we have to take her at her word um, and also, you know, the way she's acting. And I think, but I think the, you know, previous points on it still stands, the, the kind of, the allegations against Ulrich and the way that uh, Bambodar um, sort of presented it, I think was more designed to get us to start thinking about Ulrich in those terms exactly. than, than to sort of make a moral judgment about whether we think he did it or not. And, you know, time has borne that out to be correct because we've seen him do plenty of other awful things even if even if assaulting or raping katarina wasn't one of them um yes. and also i will add what, what we sort of really liked about the reveal of katarina's eye in episode five wasn't it? um yes i think yes. so and, and that sort of threw this question in did ulrich actually partake in a rape of her what what made that so interesting was is that we sort of as you're watching hannah telling the police officer you assume that she's lying because we've only seen positive things from uh, the relationship of Katarina Ulrich by that point. Then we see Katarina's eye and that throws a whole lot of questions in and we start thinking, Oh, maybe he did. Yeah. And then over the next few episodes, we are not explicitly told either way. We are, we, we are meant to be thinking of Ulrich as this violent person. We see him then throw Hannah up against the wall by the throat. And then finally we see him, you know, basically attempt to murder Helga. So by that, that ramps up. What now is really interesting, like they did at the end of episode five, where they took the rug out from under us by showing Katarina's eye, they're now doing the same thing again, but in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, I, I noticed that. Like, it's very interesting that they're trying, they, they show Ulrich attempting to de-escalate the violence with Regina here. Um, so yes. I, I, I don't know if that's a bell that you can unring really uh, but i'll be interesting to i'll be interested to see how they try and do it or how far they try and take that yeah they're definitely they're definitely trying to say you know what you thought of this character yes he is a murderer now like you know even if even if it turns out helga didn't breathe for 12 hours and is still alive <laughs> yeah. he still is i would still count him as a murderer because he tried you know there's a certain point where he, he tried so hard to murder this guy yeah this, i mean it's murder attempted murder at the very least yeah well that's that's the crime but I'm yeah. just saying, in his soul, he's a murderer. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, he remorselessly beat a child's head in with the intention of killing them and, and then waited to make sure they were dead. It's, yeah, like Ulrich so, yeah. has that in him. And what did you think about Alexander showing up and saving the day? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, first off, uh, Katarina telling him to quote unquote screw off uh, <laughs> was right there, right up there with Clobber as uh, proof that Katarina needs to maybe uh, do some taxi driver style uh, talking into a mirror, practicing her tough talk because uh, <laughs> yeah. it didn't. I mean, Katarina is formidable, but that that would not have worked on me. Um, but yeah, Alexander in this episode um, was he was great. He was probably. M maybe uh, cloudy is definitely up there as well but he's probably the mvp of this episode for me like he, mm -hmm. he kind of I, I i didn't see it coming at all to be honest i was sort of like alexander you know okay he's, he's a bit more kind of um emotionally attentive and kind than we initially thought he was after the it was episode seven i think where you see him with um regina mm -hmm. um or maybe episode six actually but um i thought that was as far 
as we were going to go with him. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, he's not, that's not actually his real name. And he turned up with a hole in his shoulder and a different passport and a gun and, <laughs> and, uh, and then point and pointed it at the Ulrich and Katarina, which uh, by the way, completely recontextualizes his unwillingness to help Ulrich in the present. Um, yeah. As maybe he just, you know, he knows that they know that he's, well, I suppose they don't know, who he is but they definitely know that he turned up with a gun um yeah. and uh, which isn't normal um but yeah he's a he's a fascinating character it's a reason it's a reason why both ulrich and alexander to have suspicions of of, e- of each other yeah, you know, yeah absolutely for both both ways yeah but um and i also liked i felt that the character of alexander or the character of boris i suppose um at, at this moment it was really an interesting and complex character even in this episode alone <laughs> Like he's yeah. he's obviously a very, very you know, tough guy criminal, but there was also like a a, a nuanced sort of uh, vulnerability to 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 this character in this episode. I found like he he wanted to protect Regina. I almost felt like he was almost very nervous doing it. Like when he yeah. was holding the gun, he was almost shaking a bit. Like he was he was sort of not comfortable in that zone. I felt. Yeah, and he, you know he's quite young. Uh, I mean, I I guess I'd probably put him early 20s maybe uh maybe even younger than that so yeah like he's a really really fascinating character um in 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 well both in in 86 and in uh 2019 now because you know he he he's not presented and i think you know to carry on from what you said in 2019 when when he has the scene with hannah later on i think it's made quite explicit that he isn't that comfortable with criminality, even if he's obviously done something illegal uh, that has brought him to Vinden. Um, so yeah, there, there's this there's this kind of duality to his character where it's like, yes, he he is a criminal presumably, or has has committed criminal acts in the past, but he's not that happy about doing it, and he seems desperate to leave that behind, mm-hmm. um, and, and obviously has like this fairly uh, kind of soft emotional side to him as well that he shows with Regina. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, so he's like he's like a man of two two halves, like. Maybe Alexander is the soft side and Boris is the. If you've got to talk about men of men with two halves, I'm not going to say anything. Well, I won't say anything right now because we'll get into it when we find out his real name, uh, because it fits better in. But that that surname is an interesting surname. Okay, okay, we'll leave that there for the minute. Uh, all right, so uh, Claudia then goes and visits Burnt in '86, um, yep. and he he gives her a bit more information about about what actually went wrong uh, a few weeks prior to this in 86 yeah um and that i think they're talking about the barrels as well because he's he's uh saying you know like i think maybe it was this scene or a previous scene where they're, where they're talking he's talking about how like it's, they're safe enough down there you know yeah he calls it an interim storage facility which yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's quite a, 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 like that that really speaks to me as someone who works in it and sees like folders with temp in the name that were created like seven years ago it's like <laughs> how interim is it really when they've been there for well over 33 years <laughs> at this point <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, what did you think of this this scene? That, that sort of how did what did you think about the, the relationship between these two? Like, oh, just I, I'm I, interested to know. So, I mean, it's quite combative. I think the first mm-hmm. thing I noticed that's, in this was that um, that Burnt still owns the house at this point, um, obviously mm-hmm. because uh, Claudia drove there. And as a side note, left a dog in the car, which is you know, tut tut, Claudia. You should know better than that. Yeah, crack um, yeah exactly. Let that let it breathe. Um, but um yeah so they have quite a combative relationship and i think burnt seems like 
doesn't seem like he's happy about handing the reins over to Claudia. Um, seems like he may have been forced out by like a board of directors, maybe, or, or, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so you, you say he's explaining what happened in the summer, but is he really explaining what happened in the summer? Like he, he's keeping secrets from her, yeah. um, it feels like to me. And then when he says who knows about it, like he says Helga knows about it, which why does Helga know about it? It, it, it seems like an odd... An, an odd person to include in in the the sort of meltdown or well it wasn't a meltdown but they kind of I, I can't actually remember exactly the technical thing that he says that happens but um some think, kind of accident. I think, didn't he say that helga was 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 around that night so he i don't know if he was in, expressly in oh okay so maybe, maybe he was just there but he but he, he was around so he would have noticed something maybe but he was yeah I doubt. I doubt that he gave Helga the payout like he gave the rest of the employees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He probably gave him a rider bar and sent him on his way. Or maybe um, that's maybe with that payout, that's how he, he got the big stash of pine cones. Maybe that's true. Put, yeah, <laughs> put, put in an order requisition for pine cones after he got yeah. his big payout. <laughs> yeah, he's it like he has a weird sense of value when it comes to these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I suppose like the the big the sort of quote which summed up this scene to me is him saying, "There are no truths, just stories," um, which you know we know isn't the case like there are certain truths that you can't escape from um and i I feel like that's that's kind of a an underlying um theme in the past few episodes you know so there there are certain things that you can try and explain away like auric is a murderer regardless of how he might justify it to himself there was an accident at the nuclear plant which created a wormhole like that is an objective truth you can't story that away by you know putting a good spin on it because you're worried that you're going to look like the next chernobyl um And, you know, it's revisited again later in this episode when, when Marta's talking about everyone keeping secrets from each other. Um, so it's, yeah, like, I, it's an interesting uh, contrast between these two where, where Bernd doesn't really want the truth to out and Claudia doesn't seem to care. She just wants wants to know what the truth is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so then we get, uh, speaking of Helga, we yep. get Hel- Helga is um, coming out of the bunker. He's sort of, I don't know what he's actually doing. He seems to be doing a bit of, a bit of work around, around, around the place. Obviously, yeah. obviously, we know that what's in that bunker at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we also then get older Helga, who is standing behind a tree watching him, his younger self. Yes. Yeah. So um, this is, I, I wonder what old Helga is actually up to here. I, I didn't really get a good sense of why old Helga is watching younger Helga, except that perhaps because they're not the same Helga, maybe old Helga doesn't know what what is going on. So he's getting a sense of, of what is what this younger version of himself was doing. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's, I had a lot of questions coming out of this scene. Also Egon, Egon back to being an incompetent cop, like turning up at the, the, the cabin having uh, like uh, with uh, Helga having missed his appointment to give an interview. And obviously Helga's mm. car is there. So like he knows he's in, but he just pretends not to be in. And he goes like, well, I guess that's the end of that and, <laughs> and leaves. Yeah. All of that all of that theorizing you were doing earlier in the season about um you know how did he not actually get interviewed on on the Tuesday? Why why not the forest road? <laughs> You're like he must he must have been in a different time. No, no he was just hiding behind the curtain. Yeah, just, just hiding behind the curtain in the cabin and he gone was like, ah, oh, I can't be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna, like, I'll leave it. It's lunch. I've got a question mark to draw. Right, yeah, exactly. It's midday now. I'm hungry. I've got question marks to draw on Ulrich. So this this can wait for another day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we see Helga again making his little pine cone art. Um, yep. 
I've never seen anyone else in the world doing that. <laughs> yeah, they... I, I don't know if this is like a thing that, I mean, I guess it's kind of like um, whittling, I suppose, but I, I've never seen it done with pine cones before. Yeah, I've, yeah, neither have I. I've, I've never seen it. And he's gluing, he's gluing a, a, just a, a whole pine cone. I don't, I don't know, it's a bit strange. <laughs> I, I mean, each to your own, like, you know, I don't care what your hobby is, but I've, I've literally never seen anyone doing this with pine cones before. Maybe, no, it's, me maybe it's a done thing. Okay, then we get the scene as you're talking about with um, Boris uh, Nivald, who is uh, opening up uh, a bag. He takes out the passports. Alexander Kola is one that isn't him. Boris yep. Nivald is the one that is him. And uh, and at the end of the scene, once he's like sort of put everything in the ground and buried it, uh, he takes the Alexander Kola one. Uh, Hannah has been watching him. Yeah. Yeah, so this felt a bit weird to me. I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll be um, elaborated upon later, but the idea of Hannah just stumbling across Alexander in the woods. Seemed... I've, thought, I've thought about this a lot. Let me yeah. explain. Let me explain. Hannah was watching, in my, this, this is all my own brain canon, but I think it's 100% true. Okay. Um, Hannah, Hannah was stalking Katerina and Ulrich. Okay, yeah. She then saw what happened with Alexander and uh, Regina. And then was like, oh, that guy's got a gun. Uh, this guy's a weirdo. I've never seen him before. And then she just followed him. I okay, think, yeah. I, 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 could, I could buy that, yeah, as a reason why she's there. I, I feel like they could have maybe done a better job of establishing that she was watching Ulrich and Katarina. Just, yeah, you know, they would have had a little, little cutaway to show her watching them before yeah. would have been all we, all we needed, but yeah. Yeah, it couldn't be much, but, but yeah, so the big thing from this is, and maybe this is completely wrong, and Niewald is a very common surname in Germany, but we have the Nielsens and we have the Kahnwalds. Nivalds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that sounds like a concatenation of those two surnames to me. Um, I, it's, you know, maybe it's nothing, but I feel like Dark is, has a very, very strong hold on its economy of words in the scripts and it doesn't just name people random things for no reason. So, yeah, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that going yeah, forward. Definitely keep an eye on that. Um... I'll say that is that is also something that I had noticed the first time I watched this. Um, yeah. Right, speaking of Boris Nivold, we get him looking very dapper. Yeah, uh, he's, he's cleaned himself up. He's got his hands in his pockets, leaning back. He's he's sort of put up. He's he's putting on the uh, the a real sort of character here. I think he's like really yeah. playing a playing act. He goes into Claudia. He wants a bit of work. He says Regina is going to help me get a bit of work. Um, I, I love uh, Claudia's incredulity when he says that he's a friend of Regina's. <laughs> and Claudia's just like, a friend? What? <laughs> like... My daughter doesn't have any friends. Yeah, it's very harsh. I've been but, having uh... to go to go to the school for bullying for the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's so she's harsh. Yeah. Well, Cla Claudia and Regina do not have the best relationship. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but he's a little leather jacket and all, you know. He looks yeah, good. very very James Dean, having been mentioned earlier in the episode. There I we think, go, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a bit of a James Dean about Alexander here as well. There is, definitely. Um, okay, then one of the most interesting scenes from the whole series so far, in my opinion, we get Noah and Helga working oh. on the chair, and oh. we get a lot of really brilliant, brilliant dialogue, sort of a monologue from uh, from Noah, sort of trying to really, really sticking the knife and twisting into Helga keep to keep him on side, you know? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. whoa, Nelly. There's some yeah. stuff in this scene. It, it's um, I mean, so first off, kind of knew this already, but the wallpaper in, is the bunker in 86. We've, we, it's, this is kind of confirmation um, mm -hmm. of that. Um, so the big, th I mean, we'll get into this at the end uh, to revisit theories that I got wrong, but finding out that Noah and Helga are 
trying to build their own time machine here um is interesting um yeah i think that the, the real thing the real really big thing that this scene did for me is um it kind of reframed noah um as far smaller fry than i thought he was mm-hmm. um so i mean not to say that you know things he's doing aren't monstrous but to me this scene um basically established him i think as someone who has manipulated um helga um presumably because he's you know escaped the loop by dying to go back to that that old theory so that there's a this sort of duplicate helga that he has um manipulated into helping him um and i think uh the uh after looking into hell as you have lying it's kind of a, com- um, a confirmation of that that he has died and then come back um and actually interesting enough it kind of implies that noah has done the same as well which ties into agnes saying that her husband has died um but uh they're trying basically trying to create a time machine because they know about the wormhole under Vinden and they want to or Noah wants to seize control of time to reorder the chaos in his own mm-hmm. image basically and to me it sounds like Noah's big plan at the moment is they are t- simply testing this machine on children uh, presumably because they're easy to abduct and yeah. they've got them they've got the machine working to the point where it will transport the subject but it will also kill them um mm-hmm. uh, uh, by by transporting them so yeah it, it's just a, it, 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 noah has been kind of presented as this almost sort of omnipresent bad guy who has a finger in everything and has a hand in all of the goings on and i actually wonder whether he does based on this scene i, I think the the children disappearing are obviously uh noah and helga but there's there's powers at work here that i think we haven't we haven't met yet um that will that noah kind of pales in comparison to interesting okay um yeah and what did you think about the whole uh sort of religious imagery of uh of him building the ark i just love the bit where he says uh this is the ark and then he sort of looks like and i am noah and yeah then, like, no big, it's big oh, drone. It's, there's yeah there's there's so many great lines from him this so yeah like the after looking into hell as you have so implying that helga has died and noah has died as well and have seen presumably that there is no afterlife i guess and then there is no god god didn't make this hole among us um and then yeah him talking about building this ark to basically bring humanity with him to the promised land is yeah that that uh, noah is insane and <laughs> his plan is absolutely heinous um but it's it's great to finally find out what he's actually trying to do um and and interesting to sort of establish the reach of his powers um as well because it it, it sort of it asks as all the best scenes in dark do in many ways it asks more questions than it actually answers yeah exactly um awesome okay so i'm interested to see how your theories and thoughts on noah develop because you're already seem to be sort of teetering away from certain theories um which is going to happen but uh I'm, I'm interested to see where you settle on noah yeah um also how him being sort of small fry in your mind now uh and and the way that you think he's connected to agnes where that all plays into it as well makes yeah. me very interested to see going forward um also i'm just going to throw a little bone out there for you to think about oh do you think that this noah is is if this is agnes's husband for example right yeah have you thought into the idea that the agnes we're seeing is actually sort of already sort of 
she says that her husband died because this is about time travel is this noah the the husband but he this is before he had died and agnes's timeline is actually further on have you thought about anything like that yet i i'm still trying to get all that stuff kind of straight in my head because to me agnes potentially being from the future is still a possibility like Mm -hmm. i I don't I, i mean you know I said in the questions, I think last week that she might be martyr just based on, um, based on appearance, which mm-hmm. would be really funny as well. If I proposed weeks and weeks ago that Martha might actually be Noah's child as like the creator of the labyrinth. And then it does turn <laughs> out that she is, she like marries Noah or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the placement of Noah in the timeline is probably the main thing that I'm kind of fixating on and trying to figure out now. Uh, I haven't really fit the, kind of pinned him down yet and the idea of killing oneself or, or dying and escaping the loop um means that there are i guess two knowers uh there's the one who will die at some point in the timeline and there's the one who kind of exists outside of the outside of the loop um mm-hmm. which yeah begs the question which which one did agnes marry and when did he die you know has he already died have they not met yet it's yeah it's 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 starting to get complicated yeah, it's starting to get complicated, exactly. Uh, right, okay, so next scene, we get uh, Katarina coming in and sort of accosting uh, Charlotte in the office. Charlotte actually just, just listened to the Ulrich um, voicemail. Yeah. Where, uh, where he, um, he was basically saying, I figured it out, it's all about time travel. And then he just went through the cave, never to be seen again. Yeah. But, but uh, it's funny, the um, one thing I've just noticed here before we get into the scene is that on the phone... Uh, it actually has all the obviously German words on the phone screen, but the word voicemail is in English. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I thought that was. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are certain words um, that that just um, are just in English in sort of conversational German. I think uh, I, I know that, like from most of my German friends, uh, the word for a mobile phone or the sl- sort of slang term for a mobile phone is a handy. So. Uh, <laughs> handy. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's still the case, but it was the case, you know, five or six years ago, um, which was just in English. So, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, maybe there are certain words that just show up in English, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so what do you think of the scene where Charlotte sort of, she always sort of immediately lies, you know, kind of sort of keeps her cards close to her chest because she's just listened to the voicemail from Ulrich. Yeah. Katarina comes in and says, where's Ulrich? And she's just like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah well i yeah i, I think katharina's not in a fit state to hear reason anyway to be honest like she, yeah, she yeah, yeah. very like her and ulrich are very similar to one another in you know once they get emotional they just sort of charge around like balls in china shops yeah, looking yeah, for something yeah. to break um and you know to be fair katharina has an excuse because obviously her son has gone missing slash been abducted and murdered in her eyes um but it's entirely misdirected here and i felt a bit sorry for charlotte and completely forgave her for not telling the truth yeah yeah i would agree there's not really much else to this other than uh after this uh we see katarina sort of goes from here to hannah so this seeing that he's not at work and that he's been suspended or whatever as is, is bubbling over in her mind enough to make her go to hannah but we'll get back to that in a minute yeah um we then for the first time in what seems like half a season get some get some work with uh marta Eunice, uh francisca and magnus for the first yeah. time in a long long time so um francisca is with magnus they sort of seem to be having a good time anyway um yeah so magnus gives sort of shows her the the necklace which i assume is her necklace that um, yeah it's the one he, one he found when he was uh, yeah. found all the condom wrappers and stuff under the bridge yeah um, so yeah 
And then Sheik was questioning how you've got that and all. Marta's on the couch, uh, ruining a nice jumper. Um, yeah, she, she's been on that couch for what feels like about four episodes now as well. Like she's just been sat there feeling sorry for herself, but it probably hasn't been that long because I suppose she had a play to do. But yeah, she's, yeah. Not, she's not in a good way, Marta. Exactly. And then we see Eunice. Uh, he's looking at the thread. Um, yeah, there's not really much to say here other than it's just good to see them after a while, you know? Yeah, I think it's... it's um, Magnus continues to be kind of a really kind character. Um, the way he just gives... Fra- you think when he finds the the necklace um, of Francisca that it's going to develop into a confrontation because, you know, the implication quite heavily being that she's selling herself uh, for money to leave Vinden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than doing that, he just gives it back to her and, and, and tries to get closer to her basically like you know there's no judgment at all in the act um he just wants to give her back her necklace and know that he's there to look after her which is in in you know i've said this about them before but in a in a series that's full of relationships which are nowhere near as wholesome or as positive as they initially seem this one feels like one that maybe just maybe there's there's some purity to it um Mm-hmm. which I, I really hope I don't come to regret those words, but that's, that's how I feel about it at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, next scene then, we get the one where I'm talking about where Katarina goes round to Hannah's house. Uh, Hannah's actually taken the bag out and sort of sorting out stuff. Luckily yeah. enough, exactly 33 years later, it's a good time to do it. Yeah. And she, she's, uh, Katarina comes in and basically accosts her, um, you know, sort of full of rage and she physically assaults her as well yes. and and then uh hannah starts lying which which basically seems at this point in the series to be something that hannah does very well and yeah. especially considering around around the, the, the idea of ulrich so she she says to uh, katarina that that, she, that i ended it hannah ended it and basically is trying to pry a wedge between ulrich and katarina even further in the mind yeah. of katarina yeah, I, I think um, you know, uh to to steal a very a very well um well known uh dramatological um trope, uh, Chekhov's passport and gun are now well well in play here. Uh with yeah. uh Hannah has them in a in a tin box in her kitchen. So I look forward to those being fired in uh in <laughs> oh that gun, not the passport, uh being fired shortly. Um but yeah, this is this is just a great little mirror of the scene I think in the high school in eighty six, um basically showing that although thirty three years have passed, Hannah is still perfectly capable of manipulating Katarina very cruelly and mm-hmm. sort of getting herself out of trouble. Um and you know talking about hannah's dishonesty i think she's almost a pathological liar like she she yeah. believes what she is saying even though she knows it to be untrue uh, which i think is why she's so good at it mm-hmm. um it's interesting i don't know if they're ever really going to get into why exactly she's like that or may- maybe she just you know she she she's just a as I said in the episode where she meets Mikkel for the first time at the hospital, she's just this kind of ball of insecurities and she kind of protects herself by lying. Um, and it becomes second nature to her, I guess. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's interesting that that she is so easily able to manipulate Katerina. And I wonder what will, what will come of this because obviously Katerina, well, I wonder if Katerina will ever see Ulrich again, but um, uh, this will play into uh, Ulrich's disappearance with her saying, you know, he was going to leave you and uh, and he said he didn't yeah. love you anymore. Um, so maybe she's, without really knowing it, helping to construct an alibi, or not an alibi, but a reason for why Ulrich has suddenly disappeared. Interesting, yeah. 
Yeah, it's something that if you actually look at the uh, eyes, remember back in the episode five when she was telling Egon and the uh, her eyes, she never blinked. Yeah. Sort yeah. of like, you know, I, I was I was analyzing that at the same time, but also trying to tiptoe around not to emphasize what you thought of the scene. Um, but uh, but definitely going back and thinking about that now with what we know or what we believe now, it's interesting, like that idea of her being just so confident, it's like second nature to her, just uh, just lying to Egon. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's definitely the behavior of someone who is like kind of almost a socio- sociopathic level of pathological liar, where they they can do it so naturally that it's almost impossible to tell they're lying. Yeah, exactly. All all out for numero uno. Okay, so um, next scene is a uh, old Claudia shows up yep. in 2019 for the first time, and uh, she gives Bartos a picture of her and Regina, and she sort of explained to, to asking about Regina sort of catching up with him and I suppose he's never met yeah. her before <laughs> and uh and Bartos is probably doing the correct thing that uh, I think is quite realistic he's being sort of very questioning of this grand his grandmother and like he's defensive of his mum in a way you know yeah um um so yeah and obviously it is um interesting that Claudia says uh she's here to take care of a few things um by the end of the episode we will know one of the things that she is here to take care of, but it does beg the question, uh, what else does, uh, does she need to deal with? Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great scene this. And it's, um, it's interesting that it's Bartos as well that she comes back to see. I, I really wouldn't have called that. Um, obviously they're family, so it does make sense, but I wouldn't have it, the, th- the people that Claudia visits in this, um given what we know about the kind of deterministic nature of time travel it feels very purposeful it feels like she's visiting them because she has something that she needs to do with them um Mm. which makes me think that Bartos is going to be more important to this than i had initially given him credit for even knowing what we know about his relationship his budding relationship with noah Mm -hmm. um and uh so yeah i'll be really interested to see how that develops and obviously there's the uh little little line from claudia here where she says if i could turn back time uh she would, <laughs> she would do some things differently which uh, does beg the question how many times has she done this uh <laughs> the, the, and you know obviously doesn't realize it because because she's looping through it i guess yeah that's great uh okay cool so then we get a very short sort of cut away then from there to actually see where regina is and there's the hotel's dusty very dusty it just means that you know it's still still not very busy in Wyndham. Yeah, and I guess it's to me it kind of read like uh, Regina has been neglecting her sort of day to day stuff because her mind's on other things as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, both both because it's the the, the hotel business is dead, and uh, you know she's got cancer and fights with Katerina to uh, to worry about. Yeah, exactly. Okay, on to another interesting scene, which is Hannah is uh, Alexander's masseuse, which we know about that from earlier in the season. Uh, I think she was massaging him earlier in season two. Yeah. She takes out the plastic bag that she found in the forest after she saw him hiding things in 86. And uh, obviously Alexander is uh, really, really sort of worried about this and offers Mm. her money. And she says, probably the very fruitless task at this point, like there's not really, there's not really much meat on the bone left in terms of ruining Ulrich's life. But uh, she, she doesn't know that yet. So she says, I want you to destroy Ulrich. I want you to ruin him. Yeah, and I I think Hannah is playing quite a dangerous game here. Um, you know, blackmailing someone who you know to be a criminal who turned up having been shot yeah. with a gun is uh is maybe not a wise choice. And asking the criminal or trying to blackmail the criminal to destroy a man as volatile and dangerous as Ulrich 
is kind of putting her in the path of probably two of the most dangerous characters. Well, actually, I, I say dangerous. Alexander doesn't actually seem dangerous, but you know, he he. If if we were going to rank characters in terms of their capacity for violence, he's higher than most. Let's yeah, say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder what form this is going to take because, as you say, Auric, there's not a huge amount left to destroy, really. Exactly. Yeah. Like we don't we don't we don't even know at this if this at this point whether Hannah will see him again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Presumably, uh, he's been arrested in the past. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I wonder whether he might be um, in absent in absentium, kind of tried or accused of the murders of the boys um that that's kind of where my mind went to with this uh is you know everyone everyone knows he's sort of started behaving weirdly around the time that mickle went missing and there are still question marks quite literally question marks on him around the disappearance of mads so that's that's kind of where my mind is at the moment with with what's going to happen to Ulrich. okay interesting um next scene is a really powerful emotional scene between Jonas and marta marta does some good acting here again yeah, and uh, Jonas is just like sort of—he's sort of a deer in headlights. He doesn't know what to do with this new information that this is his auntie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, God bless him. He tries to to get around this, but uh, he's like, "Oh, we're just not a good match." Is such a weak excuse. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, he doesn't. It seems like he doesn't really know whether to uh, sort of go ahead and just like you know, kiss her and sort of forget about it or ask her for 20 pounds in a in a, in a birthday card <laughs> yeah exactly yeah ask ask her for an itunes gift voucher that he won't use yeah, um, yeah. yeah he does kiss back a little bit which made me kind of cover my eyes and be a bit like oh no yeah <laughs> the germs the germs are already there we may as well yeah exactly but um yeah, this is this is another great kind of long take uh, in a wide shot here. Um, obviously, Jonas doesn't do too much. Uh, I guess it's not fair to say he doesn't do too much acting, but he's not asked to do too much, and Marta is kind of acting at him for the most part. But um, but yeah, it's it's great um, seeing the sort of contrast between her desperately trying to get a reaction out of him while he just stands there, kind of like open mouthed, not really knowing what to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great, great scene. Um, there, there's a couple of moments in this scene in terms of their relationship, which, uh, you know, it's it's like George Lucas says about Star Wars, it rhymes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's, <laughs> there's certain parts um, from this scene which will become important later on, just thematically, you know, in terms of their relationship. But so yeah. it's a really nice scene. There's a lot of really cool scenes or really sort of deep scenes between these two. Um, and, uh, you know, it's cool to see how their relationship evolves in certain ways. Um, yeah, totally. Okay, so next next uh, scene, it was, we get a big, big reveal, I would say. Oh, I was very excited about this. Yeah, so it, it's Torben is actually, seems to be, working with Alexander. Yeah, Vola's a goddamn crooked cop. Yeah, he's a crooked, he's a bent copper, to, uh, <laughs> to uh, quote uh, the, the, the policeman from uh, Line of Duty, bent yeah. <laughs> Um, so he's, uh, it also seems to be around the, uh, the barrels too, because Torben's asking about the barrels and Alexander says, oh, we'll, we'll leave him for a few days and then we'll bring him back in, um, back into that interim storage facility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they've been moved from one interim storage facility to an even more interim storage facility, which, which actually really made me laugh on the cutaway. Cause you think, you know, oh, what are we going to do about the barrels? And, you're, and, and you know, the mind is thinking, oh, well, you know, they're not going to be completely irresponsible. Like, they'll have put them somewhere relatively secure. And <laughs> it just cuts to, like, a Mercedes truck on the side of the road. It's like, oh, it's just full of nuclear waste. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was your initial thought about this whole Torben being a bent copper? Um, I I didn't see it coming at all, to be honest. Um, I love that he's just some. I, there's just there's nothing about him so far. It's just like he's a cop with one eye who is a, who is corrupt for some reason, and that's that's all we're going to get about him. And I hope that's all we ever get about him. I hope nothing is explained. Um, yeah. But I'll be interested to see um, to what extent he is he is corrupt, um, or whether he just kind of feeds information to Alexander, or, or if we find out, you know, why he's feeding information to Alexander. I, I guess you know bribery is probably the most obvious answer to that. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting that they're getting into sort of a police corruption th- angle here. Yeah, and like eye surgeries are expensive, so you know. Yeah, exactly. You know that new eye isn't going to pay for itself. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, moving on, we get then the big moment you've been sort of talking about happening happening eventually. Yep. And that is the moment where Regina walks into the room that the stranger has like sort of decorated with all of his uh, all of his uh, time travel-y triketra stuff. Yep. Now I, I am claiming this. I know I said that I thought Jonas might be the one that the Vanis Mikkel room is being set up for, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch this one off in green on my theory matrix because I did like I I said it was gonna be it had been set up for someone to find. Um, but yeah, I was really excited to see Regina. I, I I didn't see Regina getting roped into the time travel stuff at all. Um, so I'm really interested to see her name get added to the list of people who are now being exposed to time travel as a concept. Um, yeah. and her her in a much more in depth and um sort of clear way than egon as well um i i I can't wait to see what this does to her relationship with claudia um because obviously it might not excuse some of the things claudia did as a as a mother but it probably justifies um maybe some of the abandonment issues that regina may feel given her mother just disappeared off into some other time at some point in her childhood yes exactly um so yeah, we're interested to see whether Regina puts those dots together or not. Um, I do like from what we've sort of found out about the stranger in terms of what his plan is, in terms of he wants to sort of end the the loop or whatever you want to say, uh, close the wormhole, I suppose. Yeah, I do think that there is a certain amount of it as well is that I think that the stuff in this room is useful to him as well. You know what I mean? I think I don't. Although I do maybe believe he knew. Obviously, he probably knew that someone would come come across it. I do think that he was he was actually using it as like you know a mood board, so to speak. Uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like he's using it to like envisage his goals uh, yeah, by yeah. by putting them all on the wall. Um, yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that as well. Like he was kind of getting everything straight in his head by by writing it up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Then we get a uh, scene between Noah and Bartos, and Noah's still sort of trying to manipulate Bartos, get him in. Um, and Bartos actually says that he was right, and everything you predicted has happened. Yeah, so that to me sounds like he told him that Claudia was going to come visit him, um, mm. and maybe something about Marta and, and Jonas um, yeah, I think as well. Yeah, something like um, that. yeah, so it's it, I, it's fascinating to know what, what his offer is. Um, it doesn't i don't think barter's is going to be a test subject for being sent back in time um i'd be surprised if that was if they gave that much time to barter's only to have him kind of be subjected to that i I think there might be something more in store for him but i can't wait to see what it is yeah awesome uh okay so then we get the montage for the episode yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the song but it is a great great song it's it's it's, oh yeah it's very different uh it's a very different th- 
like sort of style of song, genre of song than the rest of the songs from the from the series so far, um, which really is sort of a, a good change of mood. It's the song. This this song is whenever I'm driving somewhere and I'm and I'm, we're putting on the dark soundtrack in the, in the car. This is the this is the one that my wife always wants to listen to first. Interestingly, yeah, it's a really it is a really good song, and um, it's it's quite it's surprisingly upbeat for yeah. um for what you see in it, and and also just to briefly acknowledge the beginning of this montage um it, it begins with such a classic start to a montage with uh, claudia offering alexander a job and him saying when do i start and then the music kicks in and that, like yeah, i've yeah. seen that in so many films um and it's just a lovely little kind of cheesy start to the montage yeah exactly and i, lo- I love the idea of uh, alexander properly working his way up from the bottom yeah uh, to eventually become the leader of the power plant and we, yeah. know that, we know that Claudia went missing. She sort of went away, presumably on a, on a time journey. Uh, so it, it's not even, pro- it's, it, it seems like it's not even probably like she just could place him in the role. He actually properly seems to have actually worked his way up. Um, so that's actually the opposite of what Helga did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If anything, Helga worked his way down uh, yeah. <laughs> like the ladder. Exactly. And we also get the, he's, he's uh, I don't know if you, I'm sure you noticed, but he's, uh, he's actually welding up the door. Yeah, yeah. So we now know when the door was welded, welded shut. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it, uh, in the same montage, we get uh, uh, Benny, um, who is yep. uh, the, the prostitute, and uh, the stranger is very strangely looking at them, uh, just like mm. sort of standing between between the the, the lorries, and then uh, goes over and gets into the Mercedes lorry and. Yep opens up one of the radioactive waste barrels. Yes, and uh, very explicitly puts down what looks like a f- quite futuristic bomb on top of one of them to me. So I think the stranger might be blowing this truck up quite soon. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what that looked like. It looked like a, a sort of one of those little grenades out of aliens um, to me. So yeah, that's, that's what I think he's doing here. Um, and I think he, thinking about but him sort of standing in front of Benny, I wonder if he very explicitly made himself visible uh, to Benny uh, because of maybe something that Benny will report to the police uh, after the fact about what he was wearing. Okay, interesting. That is a nice thought. Um, yeah, because it did seem very, you know, on the nose to just be standing there and waiting. Yeah, like he, I mean, maybe he was just being cool and stuff, you know, like standing yeah. out in the, in the open like Batman. But, Trying to impre- um, impress the prostitute. Yeah, exactly. But um, uh, yeah, I think it more like he could have he could have been hidden if he wanted to be, and the fact he wasn't seems to be quite purposeful. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt the same. Okay, so then the last scene is a doozy, another doozy. Oh, yeah. Um, Claudia comes in after actually hg townhouse is sort of working on the battery of the phone he's already made a complete mess of that battery like (laughs) he needs some help here because he's making it it's like when when you try and do diy and you refuse to read the instructions and he's (laughs) he's got himself into a real state yeah yeah and uh claudia comes in and gives him the blueprints to the machine that he has to make what did you think yeah as the like this is kind of one of those to quote community this is one of those scenes that kind of wrinkles your brain because she's coming in and giving him the schematics to uh the machine which he will invent uh and therefore like when he invents it the schematics will be created so she can take it back in time to give it to him to invent it which is sort of it's it's one of those things where like you can't think too hard about it otherwise it starts to hurt but um yeah so 
HG Tannhaus is well on his way to um, to getting that machine or, or, or creating that machine in 53. And I think it might have been before this uh, montage, actually, but there's a scene where the, 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 the that framing device of the, the sort of time machine starting to work in 86, um, I assume. Um, there's, there's a scene where the third kind of column comes up and it starts like humming and glowing. Yeah. And to me, that is like this really really sort of compelling okay here we go hg Tanhouse is about to kind of create time travel the singularity is about to happen um and everything from that point onwards is kind of is going to change interesting that's great um and can you really credit him with inventing time travel if he's given given the schematics yeah well i mean he's been given the schematics for the thing <laughs> that he already invented so like, <laughs> like i don't know who, who do you credit for that yeah it's 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 uh, it's a it's a classic paradox uh, like yeah. sort of a grandfather like bootstrap not grandfather i suppose that's that is just generally grandfathers but yeah the bootstrap paradox where like it's like there's no beginning or end it just continues around like a circle yeah exactly um, yeah you know and and it's fine it's fine we could have you know we don't have to think about them too much these exist in the show and it's fine it's just i mean it's just like my my only requirement for any kind of time travel thing is that they try to be consistent with their internal rules and logic uh yeah. for it and dark has done that absolutely fine thus far like you don't i don't need to I, it's fun to do and i totally get it as a thought exercise but but i don't need to sort of go into the nitty-gritty of like oh would this have happened if this didn't happen and you know how, how, how does these things all line up because the fact of the matter is they're not really going to because there's a wormhole which which by its very definition is kind of oxymoronic and confusing yeah exactly um yeah all, all you can do is be cons- be consistent as you say yeah okay so um that's the end of the second last episode yeah first series so let's get into the roundup then yep let's do it All right, Conrad, what do you think of this episode? Um, This was a really good episode. Uh, I had like kind of less big theories coming out of this one, as we've sort of already said, and more questions. But I think, you know, there were a lot of great reveals in this episode. Um, I love the framing device of the time machine sort of beginning to function to move the episode forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it kind of raises lots of questions about how often the interactions we're seeing in this episode have happened um, and whether the stranger and maybe cloudier i guess are breaking free of their like deterministic role in things um yeah or whether they're just repeating exactly the same thing that they've repeated um previous times and actually noah for that matter as well you know is his role in this something that is just looping and and part of the dance so to speak um or is he actually trying to yeah that's 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 the question you have to have because obviously this is loop you know we've already had one example of someone thinking that they can they can stop it happening with ulrich yeah. And he sort of it it almost it appears like he's kind of caused it to happen. Yeah, um, exactly. So, right. so like by by that by that token, you know, is that going to happen to these other characters? You think that? Yeah, they're, no, totally. Like, yeah. I think that's the question it is asking. Um, and it, it was really fascinating to me as well, actually, to find that the the, the stranger, maybe Claudia, and also Nora and Helga, all appear to actually be kind of operating on the same principle. Um, mm albeit with different ends basically that the current timeline is awful and needs fixing um obviously noah wants to control it himself um while the stranger and i think probably claudia i I suspect they're working together uh want to kind of revert it to a state where no one controls the timeline so they basically want to sort of bring it back to the chaos that noah mentioned that he fears um but but it is fascinating that their their kind of goals are in some ways 
aligned in other ways obviously diametrically opposed but um yeah, yeah but they're yeah. all kind of after the same thing um but yeah so i mean i i, I <laughs> the big questions coming out of this for me are who built the sigmunda store <laughs> like what <laughs> what is going on with that because th- there's got to be a uh, a power or an organization who first discovered this wormhole and began to manipulate the flow of time uh, that we haven't met yet. And how long has it been going on for, you know, is it hundreds of years? Is it millennia? It, it, it could be anything, but, but we kind of, I mean, Noah doesn't have a time machine. He's clearly using the caves to, to travel. Um, we know Noah doesn't have, uh, sorry, not Noah, um, the stranger doesn't have, or we suspect the stranger doesn't have a time machine because he's only turning up in, um, 86, uh, 53 in 2019. Well, he had the one that was broken, remember? Yeah, yeah I mean, suppose he had the one that was broken. So maybe yeah. that broke in him coming back from the future or something like that. Claudia, I think, might have a working one. I don't know. But yeah, and then obviously, the uh, if, if we are to trust Agnes, the Tronta Nielsen being Noah's son um, is really fascinating because in many ways that makes Peter Noah, uh, Peter Doppler kind of like Noah's grandson as well given Helge is sort of an adopted son to him yeah. at this mm-hmm. point um, and it kind of begs the question why would Tronta uh, serve his abusive father if if indeed he he was abusive um, and I have a I have a theory about this <laughs> that, uh, that we may get into after I've gone through the stuff that I got wrong okay uh I'm interested to that. Before we do that, eight point eight is the IMDb rating. What do you think of that? Um, I I'd probably say that's a little high. I still think this was a really good episode. I think it wasn't as good as the last two, so I probably yeah. I probably say like mid eights. Uh, I would I would give this like it's still still decent, and there was a lot of stuff in it, but I didn't come out of it as excited, to, like with my brain kind of cooking away at what at the possibilities. Um, for what the next episode could hold as I did in some of the last two. I, I really want to know what happens. Obviously, the, the, the hell we're coming back to life thing, uh, but I don't know if that'll be in the next episode. Whereas the the um, the Hannah's, uh, Hannah having the gun uh, feels like that's probably going to come back in the next episode because I think mm-hmm. they might be worried that people forget about her having it if they did it if they ca- like carry that on between seasons. And I think the bomb going off in the truck is probably going to come back next episode as well. Interesting. Okay, uh, so I probably agree with you. I would. I think this episode was a really good episode, except it very much seemed to be laying the table for the final yeah. season finale to me. Yeah, definitely. I, I think. Yeah, the think things are in place for some potentially awesome things to happen. Um, so yeah, I can't wait for the next episode. Uh, and this was still a really good one, but it just didn't, wasn't quite as wasn't quite as packed with stuff as some of the other ones. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So what did you get wrong? Okay. So. First off, I had uh, Noah stepping through time at will, uh, maintaining a timeline that suits him while kind of playing God, and he consumes children to keep himself young by the machine we have seen. Um, which, I mean, it's kind of half right because he does step through time at will, but he's using the caves and it, and he's not maintaining a timeline. He's trying to sort of seize control of it um, by building his own time machine, I think. So, yeah, Noah is far like more um small fry than than i think i thought initially or he seems to be um and then the second one was noah has one of townhouse's wormhole machines um which he doesn't he seems like he's trying to build his own one but uh with limited success interesting yeah i think the the idea of him trying to build this machine is very uh very intriguing to me even even on a rewatch to be honest with you because it brings up questions that 
don't necessarily get answers, but you're, you're, always, you're always wondering about them. Like in terms of the, the boys that have been taken, because everything happens at a loop. Are they literally every time just, you know, randomly choosing these boys and because it's all predetermined, they get the, the, the right ones? Or do they know that they have to take these boys at this time? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this, actually. After the questions from the last episode, there was, there was already a question about <clears throat> the uh, whether it's like a deterministic, well, whether free will exists, uh, whether it's purely deterministic. And I was thinking about the answer I gave, which was kind of, I kind of boiled it down to, I, I almost talked myself out of it. Because in the beginning, I was like, oh, I think free will does exist both in real life and in dark. But then sort of talked myself out of that theory by considering the fact that at some point Ulrich is presented with the binary choice of going left or right when he's pursuing Helga uh, through the caves. And he always chooses left because yeah. he, he had without, without any kind of influence over that decision. Um, which to me says that it is purely deterministic. It has to be in order for the timeline to loop. Um, and I think that's, you know, that is the case here as well. Like they will always just pick those three boys because you know, opportunity provides those boys to the hooded figures, whether it's just Helga and uh, and Noah, or whether there are other people he has working for him as well. Yeah. Um, at the at the correct times. So yeah, I I guess it's I guess it's just always going to be them. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way to me as well. Um, it would sort of have to be because it sort of has it has to be because the fact that Mads uh, was taken obviously has a lot of importance to Ulrich's story. Um, so. Uh, Ulrich finding out that his brother Mads was taken is what leads Ulrich to figuring out about time travel and yeah. that leads him to going back and, and, and beating Helga. So it's all connected, you know, yeah, as, yeah. The, as the show says, everything is connected. So um, if you take one piece out of this deterministic puzzle, it all just falls apart. Yeah, and that it really makes me interested to see how the stranger's role in all this pans out because, you know, the implication is that everything he's doing now has been done before and presumably hasn't achieved the results he wants to achieve because the loop is still there so he doesn't successfully close it um but he, he but at the same time he was i keep look, thinking back to him being so scared or maybe not scared but but so cautious when jonas was like oh, i'm just going to go talk to mickle um and him being like no you're going to erase yourself from the timeline if you if you stop um your mother and father from meeting here which implies that it's not deterministic and it also implies that the stranger has first-hand experience of someone accidentally deleting themselves from time by doing something dumb with their parents or something like that um so i mean the show i think i think it's very deliberately playing with this idea of you know is determinism is it is it really deterministic or do we actually have free will in this and i i don't know if we're ever going to get a really solid answer to it but it's mm -hmm. it definitely it keeps you thinking um and and it, it really really interestingly kind of recontextualizes everything we've seen um thus far to, to sort of try and figure out if any of this is different from what has come before basically yeah yeah i agree it's really really interesting uh, okay, so you had one little theory you were going to go into. Was that? Um, I've got well, I've got a couple. So, okay. um, so I mean, there's one which is pretty basic. And I think is a, a bit of a banker. I've got this one tucked in the back pocket, which is that HG Tanhouse is going to time travel pretty soon, uh, okay. because I, I mean, you know, he seems to have a working time machine in 1986. So I think we're going to see him turn rock up. Uh, sort of elderly HG Tanhouse. This is going to see him rock up either in the 50s or 2019, maybe in the next episode. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I've sort of landed on a, a theory about the pennies, which is it, it's not a massive thing, but I think it's it's Noah's way of letting uh, Helga, Peter, 
and Tronta know that the bodies that they're finding are being sent by him, basically, sort of saying this has come from my machine in the sort of 1986 wormhole um, because they're sort of positioned in the uh, future, or yeah, I guess in 2019 and in 53 to kind of collect and deal with the bodies. Um, Then, yeah, so I've kind of mentioned this before, but I think Noah has died once and has exited the loop in the same way that Helga has. Um, Possibly. When you say exited the loop, you mean that the Noah that died was part of the loop in that his actions were predetermined and he had certain things that he had to do to keep the loop going. But once he's dead, he sort of no longer actually has any impact on the loop in general in terms of it continuing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, so I, th- I think he, he kind of exists now in the same way that The Stranger does where, well, I don't think he's necessarily not caught in the deterministic loop. I think that's kind of the idea the series is playing with that even when you quote unquote exit the timeline, you're still caught in this sort of deterministic cycle. But mm but you you don't kind of exist in 1986 or whatever. You're not kind of aging through the times. You sort of get planted back at the middle of the wormhole in 86 and, and are sort of traveling around through time in the same way that Helga and, and the stranger are. Um, yeah. So I think he's, I think he's done that. Um, uh, what else have we got here? I, I think, I mean, this is just kind of a left field thing, but I have a feeling that Noah, I, I've assumed the best of Agnes, despite all the knowledge and all the evidence of the contrary. I'm going to assume she's telling the truth. Okay. And um, Noah is going to reveal himself to her, reveal himself not to be dead, and kill Agnes and take over sort of parenthood of Tronta. Um, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure like what kind of form that'll take, but I think I think Agnes might turn out to be okay. So whenever Yana, so your this is really interesting. So your theory would lead us to believe, whenever Yana was talking to Ulrich and Tronta about the man that she saw outside, and the the priest talking to the man, uh, your idea is that actually the priest is Tronta's father, but obviously Tronta wouldn't know that because yeah. because <laughs> y- Yana Yana didn't explain exactly what it looks like or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, like, his father has been kind of outside instructing Helga, and Tronta doesn't know about it because, yeah, like, well, I, I suppose, like, in the first case, like, Noah is the same age in 2019 as he was in 86 and 53. So, Tronta probably wouldn't, I guess, no, he would recognize his father. It's not the same thing as not recognizing a child. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so he's kind of been outside the Nielsen household right next to his elderly son. Um, <laughs> but who, who he is now younger than um, but yeah I, I think Hel- Tronta must come under Noah's uh, influence somehow in the same way that Peter Doppler will because he's kind of the he's the basically Noah's like adopted grandson Interesting. I'm just going to correct something you said there just in case we get a lot of comments about it um, oh, no. <laughs> Noah wasn't standing outside the house of his elderly uh his elderly, um, elderly son, I suppose, as you would say, uh, it's he. Noah was actually there with Helga in '86. I thought Yana said he was there as well in no, 2019. He, no, he saw. He, she saw the same man again, being Helga. She saw the same. She just said, "I saw the same man again." She didn't uh, mention okay. seeing them both again. Um, okay, that's a good point. Very small correction, but I just don't. I just don't. I just. I can hear someone typing already. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, anything else? Any other theories? Um, just, I think I'm interested to see how Claudia kind of goes um, 
into i think i think she's going to like financially ruin burnt and the tiedemans are going to acquire the doppler house as part of that and i'm not sure how it's going to happen but i'm looking forward to seeing it because uh i like claudia i like burnt as well to be honest although old burnt is a lot less fun than young burnt so yeah yeah. i'm fine with claudia ruining him yeah awesome uh i'm gonna ask one or two questions just to just sort of prep us for the um for the season finale because i know we don't have a question and answers uh this time so okay my first question what do you think and this is all off the top of my head by the way so um straight off, off the dome piece that sounded very scripted there what do you think you know it sounded like i actually knew what i was talking about but first question is what do you think uh is gonna i just want to hear what you think is gonna happen next episode in the season finale basically what do you think is um, gonna happen with Jonas um in this what, last episode What's he going to do? Because I know he's already traveled through time once, but then he sort of put an end on that. He burnt the, burnt the letter from his dad um, and he sort of... sort yeah, of he's kind of like he, line under it. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen with him next, next episode? So I think there needs to, there needs to be a, a sort of propulsion for Jonas at the moment. I can't really see anything pushing him to travel again. I'm trying to think what he, what he has seen thus far that could convince him to travel again i if if my okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a bit of a limb here and propose an idea which may come to absolutely nothing but i think we you're absolutely right something needs to get Jonas moving again and it, it's got to be something pretty big i wonder if he's gonna meet his dad again so my idea that death kind of allows you to escape the loop of the of the the wormhole i wonder if michael will turn up in 2019 and give him the give him the 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 down low and be like you got to go do this stuff and that'll sort of propel him back into the the time travel stuff because i think something like that is going to have to happen with him so that's a pretty that's a pretty um sort of detailed and specific theory um if we could generalize that a bit like maybe we'll just say maybe the theory is that michael shows up yeah, I guess maybe just Michael showing up. He, he doesn't necessarily see Jonas, but we're just like, oh boy, like he's going to do something. Um, okay. That that could that I could definitely see something like that happening. Um, obviously, I think I mean this isn't to do with Jonas, but as all good writers will tell you, you always end a, the season of a TV show with an explosion and a cliffhanger. So um, <laughs> like yeah. the truck the truck's going to blow up, uh, and maybe the Michael <laughs> uh, the Michael uh, thing is a cliffhanger. All right, so that's the episode this week. Sorry there's no question and answers episode. I know you understand why. Um, if you can leave some questions on this video for Conrad about what he what his hopes are for season two, maybe even you could ask him a question about something that he's predicted or something that in season one that hasn't come to pass yet. Sort of any questions about that we could include in the season summary, we'd be really thankful for because we, we intend the season summary to be sort of a lot obviously a lot more conversational we're going to be going we're going to be going over it's not we're not we don't have an episode to stick to so we sort of need a bit of structure so if we can structure that with your questions in that episode that would be absolutely fantastic conrad and i are also still in talks we're going to do an episode between the seasons just to give conrad's head a little bit of a break um without the same week we're doing our summary episode we're also going to do an episode about something else so we're sort of thinking maybe Game of Thrones. We're thinking we're thinking in that in that in that realm. It's not going to be the same sort of thing where I'm leading Conrad through a show he hasn't seen. It'll just be us sort of talking about something we've both seen. Um, so if you have any suggestions about what you'd want to see in that in that one-off podcast, let us know. Um, apart from that, I think that's us. Uh, any any final thoughts this week, Conrad? Um, 
just tune in next week for the explosion and the cliffhanger that we all know is going to happen. Yeah, so next week's the season finale, guys. So we're, we're, all, we're there. We're over a third of the way through Dark now because remember, there's only, there's only uh, eight episodes in the next two series. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we're in it. We're in it. We're getting there. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Make sure you subscribe on podcasting apps. That would really help us out. Thank you very much. And leave a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Apart from that, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the After Dark podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode.